Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. All right, guys, we're going to continue. Uh, I want to tell you, if you're new here, welcome. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, you'll you'll probably say, depending on your faith tradition, or if you have no faith tradition, say this is a little different. We're we're glad that you're here, and we want to acknowledge this is a safe space for you to take one step towards a Jesus-looking God. No matter where we're at, we want to do that. We believe that God speaks to us. We believe that God is real, and that He really wants to have a relationship with us. And um, and so I just want to acknowledge that you're here for a reason. When I say all that to say this. There are times where God will speak to each of us individually. Times he will speak to me. And if you want to know, what does that feel like when God speaks to us? That would be a great discussion to have, um, which we can talk about. But I I want to acknowledge that when we were singing the song about um, that God goes after, leaves the 99, goes after the one. It was called Reckless Love. I really felt in my heart that God had told me something. I want to share this with you. And I want this to encourage you. I felt in my heart that there's a person here that would say, I don't feel like I have worth and I have been contemplating uh, killing myself. I felt this in my heart. And I want to acknowledge to you um, that if you're here and that's you, that God does leave the 99 for you. And it's not a mistake that you're here and you are deeply loved. So is that okay if I take a minute just to say that? Just to say, hey, I want to acknowledge to the person who says, I am wrestling with the meaning of my life, that God has um, love for you and would speak to you in this moment, okay? So may you be blessed, and may you find community here. I want to say that. We're going to, as we go through Scripture, and we go through um, this message, this message feels kind of messy, because it deals with the topic of conflict. And you're like, I, I want to leave. I want to leave. That's natural. Uh, th- that's what this message is. But what I want to say is we have a, a number that you could text in your questions. As you're wrestling with what we're talking about, you can text in your questions and we will email you. Uh, at the end of the service, instead of doing Q&A, we're going to have Cam up and we're going to pray for him, but we'll email you an answer. Uh, and I think you should have questions about resolving conflict, unless you're just a pro at it. And then then like maybe next time you can just, we'll just do a whole series on conflict and then you'll just come up here and you just teach us all how you're a pro because it's really, really hard for most of us. Um, so we're in this sermon series called uh, The Struggle is Real where we're taking these big ideas, like we talked about shame last time. We're taking these big ideas and then we're applying them specifically to areas of our life. And we're, we're starting to see that God does a lot in our lives. So wherever you're at, with your walk with God, whatever your spiritual life has looked like, the idea of conflict shouldn't take you by surprise. You probably hate it. So we're going to get started by watching this clip from The Office as we jump into what it means to handle conflict incorrectly. So let's go ahead and watch this. So this is the disputed poster. Now, one at a time, I want you to express your feelings using I emotion language and no judging or you statements. I got this poster for Christmas and I feel I want to see it every day. It makes me feel like the babies are the true artists and God has a really cute sense of humor. Come on, seriously, that? 
I don't like looking at it. It's creepy and in bad tasting. It's just offensive to me. It makes me think of the horrible, frigid stage mothers who forced the babies into it. It's kitsch. It's the opposite of art. It destroys art. It destroys souls. Okay, I'm about okay, that. okay. Stop, stop, stop. Let's see if we can't just brainstorm and find some creative alternatives that are win-win. Win. Yes, thank you, Pam. How about Angela makes the poster into a t-shirt which Oscar wears? That way he can never see it, and whenever she looks at Oscar, she can see it. Win, win, win. No. That's, no. Okay, well, brainstorm. Own the solution. How about I leave it up? How about she takes it down? How about Angela can keep it up on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Okay, that is called a compromise, and it is style three, and it is not ideal. To sum up, win-win, make the poster in a t-shirt. Win-lose, take the poster down, compromise Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the answer is make the poster into a t-shirt. Win-win. Win. Fine. But... It is done! All right, so we are talking today about this big topic right here. This is going to be conflict, okay? When we talk about conflict, it is never going to feel like a win-win-win situation. But the reason we're talking about this is because the struggle is so real in all of our relationships, you will face differences of opinion, to put it nicely. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into this, because I think it's going to be really healing for so many of us. Um, Jesus, thank you that we can all come here, and if we were to get in a discussion on religion, politics, favorite bands, favorite shows, movies, conflict would come up. I thank you that there are so many people that have differences of opinion in this room. Would you teach us through your word what it is to honor Christ in this struggle, in our marriages, in our friendships, with our co-workers? And right now, there is probably no one in this room, Father, that doesn't have some sort of conflict going on in their life. Be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to talk about this. The struggle is real. If you've ever felt what it is to live in the tension between you being right and everybody else being wrong, welcome to the world. This is how most of us think. The, the unique thing is everyone in this room probably thinks they're right on a majority of issues, okay, which would mean that's not possible. And if we all started a group discussion on something, then conflict comes up. What is conflict? It is that tension. It is the someone's wrong in the situation. You don't agree with me. In fact, I'll put it this way, in the church, people say, iron sharpens iron, you know, we're around each other. If you've never heard that saying, that's what we say. So we're around each other and iron sharpens iron, we make each other sharper. Well, iron doesn't sharpen iron without sparks flying. And that's what conflict is. Conflict is that those sparks that start to fly. And here's what traditionally happens. We don't know how to respond. And, and it's not just a problem that is out there somewhere in the world. It's everywhere. If you have one relationship with someone other than yourself, you are in danger of conflict, okay? And you'll probably have conflict. Um, I, I was telling Lisa, I remember from, I, I rarely remember comics or like especially like Peanuts cartoons, but I remember this one where um, Lucy's talking to Snoopy and Lucy says, 
Well, I have it here. Let me quote her exactly. This is what she said. She says, there are times when you really bug me, but I must admit there are also times when I feel like giving you a big hug. And Snoopy replies, that's the way I am. Huggable and buggable. Okay. This is the way, you know, that was so sweet until you meet the huggable and buggable person, okay? Then it's not sweet anymore. It literally, this is how it feels. It literally feels like we are all a bunch of porcupines and we try to get closer and closer to each other and the closer we get to each other and the more intimate we become in each other's space, the more we poke each other, right? And then we're like, oh, that hurts. So then we draw away and before you know it, we're a bunch of porcupines, that we don't even live in the same space with each other. We don't get close to each other because if we start talking about the things that matter with each other, we start poking each other. It starts hurting. We don't know what to do. We want to avoid. This is what conflict does. And I will say this, if any part of you thinks that that is what God would want is for his people or even the world in general to leave a relationship once there starts to be friction, you're so wrong. You just don't understand the gospel. The gospel is not that at all. The gospel is about people who have this conflict with God and God says, I will go on grounds that no man can step on and I will die for everybody. I will go to that level in in order to solve the cosmic conflict that's happening between the entire world. I mean, I mean, the God of the universe did not avoid us whenever we were at odds with him. And so if we look at the cross in worship songs, but then we leave here and we get in conflict with one another, and we're not able to live in a way that's not porcupine-like, uh, then, then we've missed it, missed the whole thing. And it's very hurtful. I mean, it, it, it feels like this. It feels like before you're married, opposites attract. After you're married, opposites attack, right? If you're married, you know what that feels like. It, it literally feels like when you become friends with someone, the first few weeks of being friends are so good. You're like, I, 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 miss, I just needed a best friend like this all my life. Well, the reason you've needed a best friend like that is because the best friend you had before you were at odds with and you just can't reconcile is conflict. And you go into co-worker, you can talk about a new job that you have. Maybe you're in a new, a new space and you said, I love it. Everyone loves me. Yeah, yeah, you're just not close enough to them yet. They don't know enough about you. And that goes for all of us, by the way. I, I, like, they just don't know. I mean, this applies to so much of our life, conflict. The struggle is so real if you want healthy relationships at all. And I would say that God cares more about this topic than you could ever imagine he cared. This is such a heavy topic for him. Let me, let me tell you uh, in Jesus' terms. Jesus says this phrase that we often in the church will quote when we're talking about prayer. He'll say, where two or three are gathered, I am there in their midst, right? A lot of times we'll quote that and we'll say, okay, I can't pray on my own. I need another one. I need like, for some reason, God doesn't hear me. But if I get another person to shout as loud as I am, there's two. If we get three, it's really going to happen, right? Like this is what we start to think. And before you, and by the way, it is good to get in group prayers, but sometimes we use these Bible verses and we twist them. And that entire um, statement that Jesus said has everything to do with conflict. It has everything to do with restoration. It doesn't have to do with prayer. Now, it is good to pray in groups, by the way. It is good to like say, okay, we're going to hold hands, we're going to pray, to pray with people. That's encouraging. But to think God wouldn't hear your prayers by yourself without you joining hands with someone else, he does hear you. How bizarre that would be if he doesn't hear us by ourselves. 
that entire statement has to do with conflict, that he's saying where two or three, not where one person is making up their mind about how to treat other people, but where there's at least two people, which that's where conflict comes up between two. And sometimes there needs to be a third. I'm in their midst. Literally, he is there for restoration. This is a really big deal to Jesus. I think it should be a big deal to us. Here's, here's how we, I mean, we do this disruptive dance, you know, of harmony where we try to avoid each other. Like, we try to be close but avoid. Here's, here's what I found to be true. That are eight ways we typically act. You ready? Okay, you're, they're not going to be on here. You're just going to have to listen. Uh, one, be sure to develop and maintain a healthy fear of conflict, letting your own feelings build up so you are in an explosive frame of mind. Okay, this is one way that people respond to. If you must state your concerns, be as vague and general as possible. Okay, then the other person cannot do anything practical to change the situation. Okay, that's one way. Three, assume you know all the facts and you're totally right. The use of a clinching Bible verse is very helpful. Speak prophetically and for truth and justice, do most of the talking. Okay? Four, with a touch of defiance, announce your willingness to talk with anyone who wishes to discuss the problem with you, but do not take steps to initiate such conversations. Five, latch tenaciously onto whatever evidence you can find that shows the other person is merely jealous of you. That's such a great one. Six, judge the motivation of the other party on any previous experience that showed failure or unkindness. Keep track of any angry words. That's number six. Seven, if the discussion should become serious, God forbid, if the discussion becomes serious, view the issue as a win-lose struggle. Avoid possible solutions and go for total victory and unconditional surrender. Don't get too many options on the table. You hear me? Not too many options. This is um, here's the, the last one. Pass the buck. If you are about to get cornered into a solution, indicate you are without power to settle. You need your partner, spouse, bank, whatever. Okay? These are different ways that we actually probably know we're in one of these categories. And we laugh because we go, great, it's not just me. It's really healthy when we move away from these things. And, and let me tell you, Scriptures are very clear when it comes to conflict resolution. So many stories throughout the Bible of people where God is telling them to resolve the conflict. And so many stories throughout the Bible where people who avoid feel the impact, the immediate impact of what it is to just cut off ties in their life. And they just feel the struggle and it's so real. So what I want to do is encourage us. When we face conflict, we don't run. We're not people who avoid one another. We don't just uh, say, I'm right, you're wrong. We take some proper steps. And if you do this, not just here, but with your family, and if you do this in all areas of your life, you might find things change. And if people choose to leave after that, that's up to them. But you, won't, you will have a clear conscience being able to know you move forward in a healthy manner. Um, so here's what we're going to talk about. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. If you want to talk about conflict, you want to talk about a church that was persecuted, we, this is the context of what we're talking about, a church under heavy persecution. And they get this letter, and in this letter, there actually, there's a discussion about how should we treat one another when there's unresolved conflict going on. And I don't know if you've ever felt what it's like to be under heavy persecution and then have conflict come in your life from people within the church. 
But this is, this is where we find ourselves. First Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Okay? If we stopped there, if we, I'm not kidding, if we just did verse 8, I feel like we would be so healthy. Uh, but verse 8 is hard to do without the rest of it. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. On the contrary, bless, for to this you were called. Which is interesting that the scriptures would tell us this is not natural. It's not natural whenever there's evil coming on you, whenever there's conflict and unresolved um, issues coming your way, when the struggle becomes real, it's not natural. It's, it actually has to say, you are called to this. You are being called. So if you ever wonder, what's my calling in life? You can start with the verses that say, this is where you're called. <laughs> this is the general calling of God. Every believer is called to this. On the contrary. So you go, but it's so natural. I know. On the contrary, bless. For this is to, for the, to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Now, this isn't that you're like, I'm going to bless you so my bank account looks better, okay? This is actually the blessing that, that, that we think it's talking about would be the blessing of the Lord upon your life. And that, the, um, that all throughout the scripture, there's this idea if you're not able to forgive your brother or your sister, you're actually, you're actually not able to receive forgiveness from God that you are receiving the blessing of forgiveness when you bless other people. Okay, let's go to the next one. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, which I think most of us do, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Um, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now, I just want to acknowledge, some of you are here and you're like, the situation I'm in will not allow my tongue to keep from speaking deceit. You're going, you don't know what the other person has done. And I would say to you, I don't know what the other person has done. What I do know is together we can help give you the strength through the scriptures to say, to this you are called. What they do against you is when you have to stand on a verse like, Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. That it is God's position that allows him to then act on your behalf. But your job is very clear. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Okay, let's keep going. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. So don't feel like God's not hearing you. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And God would call repaying evil for evil as evil. And here's the last verse. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? I think this question should really drive uh, the rest of the message. Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you? You could actually probably give me a name. Who is there to harm you? I could give you names of people that have in our life, even in ministry, tried to harm us when we tried to be zealous for doing what is good. I could, I could share those stories with you and you could share those stories with me and the conflict that came out of it. So what we've been doing in this series is we go, how do we respond to shame? How do we respond to these big topics? Well, this is what I want to talk about. How do we respond to conflict? 
okay? I want to be literally as practical as possible. And my hope is that every one of us will respond 100% of the time well in conflict. It probably won't work, but if we can just do a few more, if we can just respond a, a, a little bit better every conflict we have, then um, things would change. So here's, here's the first one. We walk in another person's shoes. This is the first way that it says respond um, with sympathy, okay? This is really, really hard. This is very difficult. Whenever you're in conflict with someone, when someone has done something wrong to you or you think they're wrong, okay? It could be, I mean, I, I remember one of the biggest arguments that Lisa and I ever had before we got married was when we went, um, was it our wedding registry? Thank you. Um, I don't remember ever arguing with you, Lisa. It was so, such a wonderful time. And I remember when we were going to register for our wedding and we were registering for the comforter, right, for our bed. And man, we, up until that point, you go, that's so stupid. I know it's so stupid. But up until that point, we had argued. That was a blow up argument. And we had a 40 minute drive home from Bed Bath & Beyond. To this day, I don't like Bed Bath & Beyond so much that on our dresser is a Bed Bath & Beyond gift card that I just, we don't go. We don't go to Bed Bath & Beyond because we know what it'll do. So something like that, that feels so small at the moment, or feels big in the moment of going like, well, what do you mean? Like she, she's going, we want it like, we, we want it not to be too masculine. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want it to be pink. You know, like I don't want it to have, and we ended up with one with birds on it. And it was a little feminine, but it's okay. It's okay. We, I'm not, we're fine. Okay, so we're good now. We're good. In arguments, in arguments, small, medium, big, whatever the argument is, whatever the conflict is. Now you're going to notice I'm going to use small stories and we're going to get a little larger as uh, the message goes on. In, in arguments, no matter the size of the argument, the most difficult thing you can do in the moment is to put yourself in their shoes. If someone, if I were to, to sit back and talk to her and say, okay, what does this mean to you? Like, what are you thinking? What I would have realized in a moment like that would have been, she cares about like the comforter matching the rest of the room. Go figure, right? I didn't care about that. I just cared I didn't look like a girl when people came in our bedroom, okay? This is all I cared about. If I were to put myself in her shoes, it would have been much easier. If we, in our arguments, were to start to put ourselves in each other's shoes, that maybe someone responded on a bad day to you in a bad way, and that's true. And sympathy, by the way, doesn't mean you have to agree with them. Sympathy just means you're willing to understand. You want to understand what has happened. If you're about the relationship and not just the resolve, okay? So hear me clearly, there's a big difference. If you're just about resolving the issue, there's gonna be a winner and there's gonna be a loser. If you're about the relationship, you should want to know what has happened, what has gone wrong? How do I put myself in this person's shoes? And the more and more I start to ask someone, what, what happened? I mean, how, why, why, why are we doing this right now? And there's a whole backstory. There's a whole story behind the story. It's hard. Now, not everyone will let you do this, by the way. Not everyone's going to let you be sympathetic. But if you try, there are people who will lower their walls and there are people who will say, okay, here's what's been going on. Or they're going to bring up a whole bunch of stuff that you really need to talk through. Some of the best conversations I've had, even with my brother, have been when we got into a conflict and then we started to put ourselves in each other's shoes. We started to realize this is, 
man, I realize why life's so hard for you. And that he would say, I realize the stress you're under. I'm so sorry. And then before you know it, it's diffused. Sympathy, compassion. And then he says this word that helps us to the second one. Number two is that we realize we're on the same team, okay? He says brothers with brotherly love, okay? Remember you're on the same team. Oh, this like, this is so hard. What I want to, what I want to speak to right now is especially people who are part of this church, if you're part of Discover Church, remember you're on the same team. If you say, I'm not on the same team with my boss, okay, we'll talk about that. If you say, I'm not on the same team as my spouse, you are on the same team as your spouse. What I want to talk about is, is if you're a believer here and you're having conflict with another believer, you are on the same team. We are on the same mission, Okay. In fact, when we do premarital counseling with people, we will tell them the most important rule for you right now is that you realize we're on the same team. We're on the same team. When we got married, the song we walked down the aisle to after we got married was uh, by Reliant K, we should get jerseys because we make a good team, but yours would look better than mine because you're out of my league. You may not know that song. It's so sweet, but it's so poppy and fun, right? It's great for walking down the aisle. We did that because we realized we're actually, we're on the same team. If we as believers say, okay, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and it doesn't come without conflict. If you are, if you like are in a family at all, you know, if you have any siblings, you know, there is strife when you are a brother or a sister. If you don't have siblings, you know what it's like to have close friends. There is strife. Brothers and sisters argue, and brothers and sisters have conflict. What they don't do is they don't leave the family. They don't do that because they're on the same team, see? We're on the same team, which means if I win and you lose, I lose. I don't win. It's like if you get the Broncos, and if half the team wins and half the team loses, it doesn't work that way, right? If half the team loses, they lose. <laughs> there's no winning. You're on the same team. That if there's conflict between your friends or your family members, and it's circling around in front of you, your job is not to throw discord into the mix. Your job is to be able to help the team from the sidelines participate together, not to cause more strife. You follow me? That, that for for in First Peter, for it to say brotherly love, with brotherly love and affection, you're in one mind. You have the same mission. You're on the same team. Some of us can get off mission, and some of us can really cause strife and conflict. What we need to know is in those moments, Jesus says, you go to them face to face. And if you can't, if you can't seek resolution, well, then you bring someone else. You don't bring a whole committee right away, okay? You don't like put them down and then you bring the trial. You bring someone else, and you're not able to do that, then you can bring more, and that's when we would say we want to get the elders involved. Uh, but what I would tell you is we're really bad at believing we're on the same team. We're so bad at that. Um, but it's really hard. Here's what uh, one author said about resolving conflict. They said, there are many opinions. I am not always sure whether they are right or wrong. But there is one thing I'm sure of. Courtesy and kindness and tolerance and humility and fairness are right. Opinions may be mistaken. Love never is. And if you notice, how do we, what are the team values? I think that it's clear. Love, said this. Love, treat each other with love, compassion, and humility. These are the team values. This is how we operate. Love says, I will look at the other's best interests. Okay? Doesn't mean you're walked on. 
you have their best interest in mind. Compassion, it lets us demonstrate love with actions. We actually do things to love one another, even in the midst of conflict. I don't know about you, but if I'm in the middle of an argument with someone, it's like I'm in the middle of arguing, and they stop, and they serve me somehow. Now, think of how bizarre this is. You're like, that would never happen. It does, because our conflicts go for days, man. Our, like, like most people that have conflict with other people, they may not talk to them. They, they may just go for days because you can just avoid. If you don't live together, you can avoid. If you do live together, it gets more awkward. But I just want you to imagine if, you, if someone that you're in conflict with served you, if you actually received some, I mean, if you receive flowers from someone who said, hey, I know we're in the middle of strife, but I just want you to know I care about you. You're like, I know, nobody would ever do that to me. I know, but you can do that to somebody. You can have compassion on somebody. You don't have to wait for them to make the first move. We're on the same team, and you know what? You can throw the first pitch. Like, you can do it. And humility, humility is the last thing that they said, which is to be, not to be proud. It's the opposite of being proud. And if you're too proud, conflict will never get resolved. Relationships will never get restored. You're too proud. You've been hurt. They did you wrong. There's no way around it. Humility. Humility. Um, now, here's, here's the next one that's so hard. Give a blessing, okay? Gosh. You ready? You ready to go there? Whenever there is a conflict going on, which I do hope that you're thinking right now about things going on in your life. And um, if I were to say, how many of you are right now in the middle of a conflict? I'm afraid because the person sitting next to you might be like, I'm going to say it before you do. You know, like you're in conflict with each other. But the reality is most hands would go up. And if you go, I don't, I don't know what that word means in my life. I've never had conflict. I pray you do. I actually pray that there's some sort of grace upon your life that people who disagree with you would come into your life and help you grow. Giving a blessing. This is really hard. Picture it like this. If, if every time there's strife, so I want you to picture the strife in your life right now between you and someone else. Okay? Even though it hurts to go there, just picture it. Conflict is like um, a fire right here. And you have two buckets in your hand at all times as believers. One is fuel. It's gasoline, okay? You know what that does when you throw it on fire? It gets hot and it burns things up, okay? And the other one is water. It puts it out. If it doesn't put it out right away, it definitely smolders the fire, so then you need a little bit more water. Giving a blessing, that thing that we're called to do, is the water, Everything else we want to do is the fuel. You follow me? All that stuff fuels the flame. You ever heard that phrase? You just fuel the flame of my anger. Well, yeah, because we do. This is how we argue. This is how we are. We, we naturally want to be right and aggressive and attack. And what the scriptures are telling us to do is you're called to unity. That at the end, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. If if you lose the relationship because you're right and you did it without humility and you did it without love and without compassion and you're going, I just spoke the truth. You may have spoke the truth, but you may have spoke the truth with a bunch of fuel and no wonder you just burned them up. They don't want anything to do with people that do that. It's really hard. So this is why Christ comes in grace and truth. 
He could have come with truth and judgment. He could have come in any way, but first John or John chapter one tells us that Christ came in that God came in Christ in grace and truth. He speaks the truth while being compassionate, giving a blessing. Now, the reason this is so hard is because there's not nice things to say about, I don't know how else to put this, there's not nice things to say about really mean people. People who are spiteful towards you and deceitful, people who lie about you, people who hurt you, to speak kindly of them is really hard. You go, what does it mean to give a blessing? Here's what I would say. The three things that I can think of that when I start down this path, that this would be blessing them would be, one, I start with prayer. The whole idea of praying for your enemies. If you're at a point to where you go, I cannot, I cannot bless, I can't even bless them with my words. I can't bless them. And, and if anyone asks me, or like there's no chance I will even love a child that has the same name as that person, right? This is conflict. And uh, you're at that point, they become an enemy. They're not a frenemy. We know what those are. They're an enemy um, that Christ says, yeah, pray for your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. You start with prayer. Now, I've been in a position before where someone has come after our family and the, the only words I could say were, I am praying for my enemy. That's it. That's literally all I had. That was my prayer from my enemy. And, uh, and, and that, that was it. And as I started to do that, it, I would say, okay, I pray for my enemy's family. They're not at fault. They're not at fault. It's not their fault. I pray for them. And then I would start to pray and pour prayers over my enemy's heart that maybe the hardness of their heart would soften because I don't want them doing this to anybody else. Pray for your enemy. That's, that's like a great starting point. Here's the next thing. Have enough respect to not talk bad about them. Have enough respect that you just don't talk bad about these people that you're in conflict with. I want you to know one of the hardest things that we can take back would be when we use words against people that are untrue, spiteful, filled with anger in the moment. To bless them sometimes is just to keep your mouth shut. Like you, you can voice your opinion to God. In fact, you read the Psalms and, and King David did. I mean, there's some like brutal Psalms that I actually don't know how they made it in the Bible, to be honest with you. There's some brutal Psalms about what what David wishes God would do to his enemy. But I see time and time and time again, this idea of controlling your tongue and then give them the benefit of the doubt would be the last one. It doesn't mean to um, be naive. It just means that you do the research it takes to find out if they're telling the truth. That if someone, if someone is talking to you and they say, I didn't mean to hurt you, that you say, and if you're in a relationship with them, that you give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they actually didn't mean to hurt you. Maybe they weren't going after your pride. Maybe that sarcastic comment wasn't meant to slight you and hurt you as bad as it did. If they say they didn't, give them the benefit of the doubt. These are three simple ways you can bless someone. Now, what I'll tell you is as people continue an offense and they continue to hurt you, um, the benefit of the doubt kind of goes away. Because you go, I just know what's real. But it doesn't mean that you stop praying for them. Okay? Let's go to the next one. Number four, control your tongue. 
control your tongue. This is all throughout that passage, to control your tongue. Um, one, one rabbi put it this way. He said, those who can't, um, oh, he said this. He said, if you cannot go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you're addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. Similarly, if you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind words about others, then you have lost control over your tongue. See, when we talk about conflict, we're talking about it in a way that we don't know how the other person's going to react. You don't actually know that. All I'm trying to do is to say the thing we're called to, the thing we're called to do is this. We walk in another person's shoes. Is there more to be known about the situation? Now, by the way, this won't solve the issue. Is there more to be known about? Remember, you're on the same team. And if you're not on the same team, if you're not on the same team, you go, I cannot stand with what this person stands with. I'm not on the same team. Okay, you are, not to be cheesy, you are on the same team as Jesus, okay? And you can, you can seek his heart after this person, okay? You're on the same team as him. Give a blessing, control your tongue. When it comes to control your, your tongue, how hard it is to do this. When, I think it's so significant when Jesus was, um, when he was led to the cross, like a lamb to be slaughtered, he didn't say a word. I find that fascinating. He keeps his mouth shut. The things Jesus had a right to say about the people who were doing, driving nails into his hands, are you kidding me? Like if anyone had a right to say anything about anyone, it's in the moment they're whipping you and you're perfect. Like you didn't do anything wrong, okay? Your record is clean. And not only that, you know their record, right? Like you, and I know these people's record. And he's silent. He's quiet. When he says something, is to give them a blessing. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's a prayer over his enemies. I mean, it's, it's astonishing how we resolve conflict is so different and how Christ resolved the conflict of the world and how he resolved conflict with people, right? So I would say control your tongue, and here's the last one. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. This is clear in that scripture. To pursue peace actually says to, to actually pursue peace. When we do this, um, we don't say phrases like, I don't care about that person anymore is really hard to hear. He said, you guys want to come up and, and we'll have a time to respond, which is really hard to hear. We don't say things like, well, good riddance to them. If that's what they want in life, that's what they'll get. We don't do this sort of stuff. We actually are peacemakers. Did you know we're called to be peacemakers? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be a peacemaker. If you're considering following Jesus, let me let you know, kind of like one of the pieces of the job description, you're called to be a peacemaker. Now, not everyone is going to want peace. Not everyone's going to respond to you in these ways, like positively. You're like, I tried to put myself in their shoes, but like their shoes, they won't let me in. And I tried to remember we're on the same team, but we're not on the same team. Like they want to, they want to hurt me. And I try to give a blessing. I try to do this. All I'm telling you is you're responsible for how you're responding in conflict. That's all I'm telling you. I'm responsible how I respond. If you and I are in conflict, I'm responsible for how I respond to you. I'm not responsible for how you respond to me. And pursuing peace, here's like the big idea. Can you go to that next slide? 
Here's the big idea behind why we do this. It's not about resolving the conflict. It's about restoring the relationship. I think in the end that the reason God is, it's such a big deal to him that conflict gets resolved and, and that people don't leave one another. They have unity of mind is because it's about relationship. Relationship is the equity of heaven. This is relationship. Everything revolves around relationship. Your relationships with people are so important. And it hurts your soul so bad when someone like cuts you off. It's supposed to hurt. Like it's not supposed to feel good when that happens. It's not about winning the argument. It's about restoring the relationship. And if we think it's about winning the argument, we'll never, never make it in our relationships. It's about restoring the relationship. If you're at conflict with someone right now, I want you to take the issue in your mind, the is, whatever the issue is, just take it and move it for a second, okay? That issue is a wall between you and this person. You can't even see the person anymore. All you see is that wall and you go, they're wrong and it's a thick wall and you know, just take it for a second and move it and see the person. Just see the person for a second. Just ask yourself, have I tried to do the things we talked about tonight? Have I tried? You will find it much easier to carry the burden that you've been carrying. And in fact, Jesus may take it from you. And if the relationship's never reconciled, you can take confidence in what Paul says when he says, at best, as it is up to you, be, recon uh, be ministers of reconciliation, as it is up to you. Now, it's not always up to you. Not everybody wants to restore, but you can say with a clear conscience, I did what I knew to do. And some of the relationships will be restored, but this is what it's about. Uh, you may not know this, I mean, I, I was talking with Mark Bachoven earlier about the Avengers that's coming out, and he's asked me questions about superheroes, and I just, like, geeked out. I went into my, my younger Preston mode, and I started talking to him about who Thanos is and why the, the story's going to—I'm not going to give away the ending, but I gave it away to Mark. I said, do you want to know how it's going to end? I can tell you. So we go into all this, right? So, so now that I give you a glimpse into that, I'll tell you, when I was younger, I got picked on a lot, okay? So you say, I know why. Yes, maybe, maybe, but I did. I got picked on a lot. And, I, and what was hard was whenever people would actually get physical with me. So whether it be they'd punch me or push me into the lockers, whatever. I remember one time there was a fight in high school with, between two people. And, and if you're picked on and you watch two other people, like one person, they're picking on each other. You're like, whew, it's just not me, right? I remember that. I remember watching that. And, and what ended up happening was one, they're both on the baseball team. And, and they said these words, I'll see you after school. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be there after school because it's not me. See, if it's not me, we don't have to worry about it. But you're like, so everybody's going there after school. And there's this smaller guy. He's a pitcher for the baseball team. And this larger guy, I don't, I, maybe he was on the bench, but he was way bigger than the other dude. The smaller guy had a golf ball in his hand, right? And he said, like, they asked him, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm going to throw the golf ball and hit the guy in the head when he's running after me, right? And then it's game over, right? You just knock him out and we win. And you're like, well, like, by the way, our team never did well. He wasn't a good pitcher. So he's, he has this golf ball and this guy, I'm not kidding. The van pulls up, the door opens and he runs. I mean, I mean, it's like David and Goliath running and you're just watching. And I'm thinking, I'm just glad it's not me, right? I'm usually the guy being picked on. I'm not in this. 
and the golf ball goes and goes right by his head. And he said some words, okay? The small guy said some words. We're not going to say in church. But it, it was his one shot. And then he went down. I mean, it's over. It's like, and then, and then they became friends. I don't know why. Sometimes that's how you resolve conflict. But that's, then they became friends. I don't know what you think will happen when you come to God. So we're going to start there with your conflict you have with God. If you think you have this thing, you got to, like, you have this one shot, you're going to keep him away from you. I don't think, like, the, the scripture does say he runs after you, but not in that way. You see, he runs after you like a father, and he embraces you and kisses you, knowing all that you did wrong. He's not going to tackle you. And he can take whatever you're throwing at him. See, he, he, I don't know what you think is going to happen. And, and by the way, I don't know if you think God's like, hey, I'm going to see you after church. We're going to talk about the things that you did and the conflict you, that you, I'm going to meet you in the parking lot. And you're like, no, and can I sleep in the back? And I don't know what you think is going to happen. But when God says, let's meet, it's literally at the foot of the cross. He says, meet there. So you can always look at my son and how much I love you. Let's meet there. Let's resolve this. I don't know what you think is going to happen with your spouse or your coworker, or your friend, when you say, hey, let's resolve this conflict. Don't, don't talk like that. Ask them, can I just talk to you about, are you doing okay? Put yourself in their shoes. Don't ever meet each other on the terms that it was like in middle school and high school. Meet each other at the cross where you can always look at Jesus and you can remember, okay, he did this for him too. He did this for her too. He did this for me too. You follow me? It's conflict resolution. So here's going to be the way we respond. The first question. Do you find unresolved conflict to be, the, uh, to be a reason to avoid people? In fact, why don't we do this? Can we stand together? Let's stand. I want us to respond because I don't want us to be a people that like look at conflict and we, we're like porcupines poking each other, right? I, I want us to be a people that are grounded in our faith in this. Do you find unresolved conflict to be a reason to avoid? If this is you, will you just take a second? And, and I want to say from up here, this is so many of us. This is a reason we avoid the phone call and the text message and, and we, the email. When their name pops up, we're like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. And then you're like, I just deleted all my emails. I can literally say, I don't know, all my emails got deleted. You're avoiding, okay? May you have the grace and strength from your friends here tonight to not do that anymore. So can we just take a moment? If that's you, can you just step to the side? Just find a place to pray. And you say, I find this. This bothers me. I know this. Um, but I'm going to make this right. I want to receive strength from my brothers and sisters. Okay? Here's the next one. Is there an issue that you are afraid to resolve in your life? Are you afraid to bring up conflict with someone that you love? So what it ends up happening is you are actually talking bad or it's manifesting itself in other ways. You're just afraid to actually talk to the person. You show up weird in life. You know, people praying with you and you just voicing that to someone could be what set you free. Can you just take a moment and move to one of the sides or prayer team will pray with you? Will you do that? Move to the side. You say, there's conflict. I am scared to resolve, okay? And here's the last one, the most important. Is there conflict between you and God that you have yet to resolve? God's not saying, meet me in the parking lot. God is saying, meet me now. 
meet me now. There's conflict I want to resolve with you. I'm not going to jump on you and punch you. Um, I am going to hug you. Okay? Will you take a moment and move to the side? If you say, there's, I know there's things that God wants to talk to me about. Will you just move to the side? Our prayer team, and if you are, you have a burden for a person or you want to pray with someone, will you find someone to pray with? And I'm going to pray over us and we're going to respond in worship. We can take communion. When you take communion, remember that Jesus said, I'll resolve the whole conflict of the world by doing exactly what I did. Did he put himself in our shoes? Yeah. He who knew no sin became sin. He actually became human. He put himself in our shoes. He, there is no temptation unto man that he has not faced. He's done everything we talked about. And if you recognize that, you take communion tonight. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that we don't have to live in a way where we are constantly avoiding people and cutting relationships off. We don't have to live in a way where we're fearful of you, but we live with the freedom to say we will pursue restoration, first with you, then with others. May your grace be with us. Strengthen. God, strengthen all the honest hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.